Blaine and Mickey Monday. What's up, everybody? Uh, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to do like the first three minutes of the show. Then I'm going to get load managed. Blaine's going to do the next three. Then we're going to do some load management for I'm already Blaine. on load management. My hammy and my back is tight. So <laughs> I can only stay for only a portion of the show. It's in case of emergency. I get you tomorrow. All right. Lucas <laughs> is, not, is not away. He's backing away from his microphone uh, because uh, he's tight right now. I, what in the world's going on with Julio Jones? I, I don't know. I don't know. No idea what to take from that that press conference by Vrabel. I have no idea. Uh, and you know what? <laughs> I want to say, you know, Julio ran down uh, the interceptor that one time. He was flying. <laughs> I mean, he, it was on the Metcalf level. It just wasn't in the open like that where everybody could see it. But you could see him moving by people. Uh, I actually went back and watched it again. I watched the whole game, but I was focused on that, that one play. And uh, when your player gets tired, I, I get it. Uh, and uh, I probably wouldn't use the term low management. I would have said I just gave him a rest for a little while until uh, he got, you know, got back to his breath and felt good. Because there's no way I was going to not have him on the field, even if just him on the field is a threat that is going to take away two defenders to guard him. So uh, especially when they got, you know, in the red zone area, that's probably when I really noticed it because they were really running the ball. Right. You know, but uh, so, I, you know, hey, he has a good feel. We don't know. Uh, Julio during the week could have had on one of those vest things that tracks their hydration and everything else and said, hey, he's getting close to that line. You know, we need to, you know, slow him back a little bit. Maybe that's why he was limited on a day or something. And then he's looking at the game and seeing what's going on. And, hey, maybe he's feeling a little tight and says, hey, I got to pull him back a little bit. Now, I'm all in. I don't think the Indianapolis coach, and this shows you what the NFL thinks. Carson Wentz couldn't move anywhere. They wasn't load managing nothing about neither one of them ankles Mm-mm. in a real NFL game. So, you know, that was kind of just kind of weird. This is, you know, divisional AFC South type game. Uh, man, all bets are off. Nobody really cares about, you know, load management. And that's why I say maybe something during the week was signs and signals to them that they were going to have to do something like that. Because without A.J. Brown, to me, I'm thinking now, you got to give us more. You got, you got, you, know, you, you may not come out at all. Uh, so, yeah, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, you win, and, uh, and, and Vrabel knows that they didn't play very well uh, in different uh, components of the game at times. So, and they still, you know, still won. So that's, that's really the refreshing part of all of this as a player when you know that we didn't play well as a team and not complimentary football, and we still won. So as long as you keep stacking up those wins and continue to gradually get better, all's good. Uh, but you got to know you can't keep playing like that because eventually it's, it's going to haunt you and it's going to cost you a game. You said this uh, against Seattle. You said the same thing yesterday. These make for interesting film sessions because you got the win, which is the most important thing. But you can really coach some guys up after the mistakes that oh. were made. Sometimes, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say all the time, but sometimes we'd win – I would walk out of a meeting feeling like we lost. <laughs> they, they, they would hammer you over the head over uh, on a win because they want you to stay on top of your game and really focused and dialed in. On the losses, it seemed like they weren't as as tough. When I say tough, I meant like you know the intensity of the conversations mm-hmm. uh, that is said uh, that has been said by the coaches. Uh, you know, because it was maybe like everybody's taking their turn. Where sometimes when you win, it was just drastic bad plays. I mean, you know, uh, so, yeah, that happens. But it's not all hunky-dory when you, just because you won. It, that, it is not that way. Yeah. yeah, I'd come home and 
Sometimes I, I walk out of there with like I'm 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 so mad I want to go on the field right now. I want to go on the field right this Monday. I yeah. still got Tuesday off and then Wednesday to the practice. <laughs> oh man, I, yeah. So <clears throat> so it's, it's always kind of interesting to give you the backstory of what really goes on, and I, I think people have a misperception of. Like you win, everything's great. So it's not like that. That's that's kind of like college. Mm-hmm. College is not the problem. And the media always asking if he's trying to send out a message. They got to stop that. This is not college. They never do that in the pros. They tell guys straight in their face in the meeting room when they have individual meetings, when they have team meetings, exactly what's going on. You definitely know where you stand. Mm-hmm. Now they could lie to you, uh, you know, in your face. Oh, you're doing a great job, and then you get cut. That don't mean you weren't doing a good job. You just was the last guy on the totem pole, right? You know, so yeah. The NFL is a, it's a different animal. And that's why I think this was just kind of weird to me because all bets are off. Uh, they, they, we're not worried about next week. We're worried about this week to, to win that game. Right. So, hey, rest up and, uh, hey, Titans has got to get loose real quick. Yeah, so <laughs> so I, I don't know if that was the real reason. I, I, I have no idea. Maybe the – Derrick Henry is just being Derrick Henry, and and you know we keep. They rest, are they resting him? Yeah, thirty. No, he, he didn't seem. To, he didn't seem to be. Now he he got a, he got a couple third downs where he got to take a quick. They, they rest him during the week, though. He does not do anything to like Thursdays, as far as practice, right? Hey, I, I would tell him, hey, what the king, whatever works for you, man. Oh, I wouldn't have him practice on Friday on it when we just doing red zone, right? Yeah, Make sure can. he knows. Uh, yeah, it, it's not hard to say we're gonna run behind Safoda and Luan. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna run left man make sure you get that left that left leg strong put in the ground and go vertical no i'm just kidding but so you know i know it's a different animal he's a you know he's the running back he's taking hits but that that's what my my whole point is they still weren't resting him throughout that game no we talked a lot about how well ryan Tannehill played last week he didn't have a touchdown in the game or an interception but he just he kept things moving he did such a fantastic job yesterday, and it didn't matter who was playing receiver. I know he'd like to have the one pass back, the, the pick, or you know he threw it to Darius Leonard, but he ran the ball. He was real decisive when he ran. You know he he got extra yardage even beyond what would have been expected on any of those runs. And Blaine, so he okay, so those guys aren't in. All right, I'll throw to Jeremy McNichols for a touchdown. Okay, I'll throw to Nick Westbrook. I mean, it doesn't matter who's out there. He's he's finding the open guy, and he's throwing to the opening guy. One more thing before I go into that. I know everybody's – the fans are talking about we paid our money, and you do, uh, to go to the game. But you got to think that Vrabel is not trying not to win the game and taking Julio out for some unknown reason. Right. You got to believe that. Even if you don't know anything about anything, which I don't, you got to believe he's trying to win games. That's right. what he's paid to do. So he's – in his mind, he's thinking, I'm doing the best for my team right. to win. Right. And so, yeah, so I, you know, we, I think we just got to get off the stick. The object is not to see star players. The object is out to win, mm-hmm. ultimately. Hopefully you'll get both. But if Julio Jones only catches four balls and have five targets, I'm not, I'm not going to be mad. I mean, we won mm-hmm. as a fan. Would I like to see more? When we start bringing the conversation in about fantasy and all that, then that's not a conversation. Right. That, that has nothing to do with coaches trying to win football. So, uh, yeah, now, on to the Tannehill. I think Tannehill is, is the linchpin because I think everybody is getting prepared, even though he did well. It took a lot of carries to get to that today for, him, you know, the king. I think Tannehill is the linchpin. He proved that last game 
at least so far in the regular season, these first three games, well, really two, uh, that they won, that he can throw the ball around and win games as well as use his feet. He's exactly what I would model my quarterback. I know they're talking about sliding. Well, guess what? The time that he looked like he wanted to slide, he didn't. He messed up the safety. The safety missed him because he thought he was going to slide. Yeah. The Blackman kid, I think his last yeah. name. Yeah, so he, he kept gotten the extra 10 yards. Uh, so, yeah, do you want him, when he's in the muck of everything, to get down? But when you're out there with some DBs, not unless you got one of those headhunters out there, you know, I think you could, you could take some risk at times, at times. Uh, so, yeah, I thought he did a fabulous job. Uh, being clutch, pinpoint, accurate, can throw the deep ball well. You know, hey, man, I, there's not a lot. I know only thing I, I, I hate that he threw the one interception in the traffic. It was like three receivers kind of within five yards. Yeah. And then he was going the opposite direction. The guy just moved slightly. And then the guy he threw it right in the breadbasket of Leonard. I yeah. mean, he was in front of him initially. <laughs> so, yeah, that one. The other one to me, Chester Rogers tried to catch it with his body mm-hmm. instead of just use his hands. Right. I don't know if he threw a hot potato, how, how fast it was. Uh, but that wasn't on him. He still got to catch that ball. Uh, so, you know. Hey, that, that's be the break. You know, Westbrook Aquina stepped up, but, you know, nobody be talking about that if that fumble would have cost us again because that was in a red zone. Yeah. And he was he did a good job. I mean, actually, he showed that hey, we can we have a rotation, Julio. They said, we need to be rotating how much you get paid and how much I get paid. <laughs> <laughs> nah, just kidding, man. Well, I know people get caught up in, in guys in the preseason, and this guy's playing so well, and that guy, and one of the arguments for Nick Westbrook Aquina was, he was on the team last year. He's a good special teamer. Mm-hmm. He caught a couple of balls. I mean, last year. Yeah, he, he actually understands where he's supposed to be and when he's supposed to be there. Well, look, then he makes the team, and then now they're using him. Right. Well, I thought all the role players did a fantabulous job yesterday. And because it takes all, you know, 53 guys or how many ever is dressing, 46 or whatever the yep. number is once it starts. But I thought they did a great job. There's a reason why they're backups, and they can show you flashes. But they can't continue to do that game in and game out. You're going to need your role players, and this was one of them. Uh, so, yeah, I was excited for, you know, long. Uh, Crookshank played well. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> and the list, you know, there was a nice little list there of guys, Ola Daney. I mean, we can go on and on who played a significant role, and, and we're not used to them in that role. And they did a good job. They're trying to. Show that they showcase that they can play this league, whether you're with the Titans next year, because mm-hmm. most of those guys are on one year or one year left on their deal, or you're with someone else. So they're super motivated. Uh, this is what makes the the real the guys that are the superstars that are already making the money, they stay motivated as though they're going for the money. So that's why it's interesting. You don't want the guy who's only playing a one year to get the money. Right. So if he's been with you for four years and he's capitalizing on his opportunity and he's staying healthy, Crookshank, Crookshank looked like a starter. I mean, he looked, and I told you, he has all the skill sets, length, speed, agility, athleticism, smart. If he stays healthy, somebody, somebody's going to roll today and say, hey, man, we can, we, we can get him on, you know, you know, minimum, you know, three or four year deal. He played every defensive snap yesterday. He's never done anything like that. Remember, his high was 35 last week. He played 25 was his high before that. Because he went and got in for McDonald, yeah. Yeah. Or McDougal, whatever. That dude played 61 snaps on defense, which is about he double what he'd ever played. He brought the heat on that one blitz. Ooh, that looked bored. I don't know if I, I brought it like that. I was like, whoa, that was – and he, did, he made the quarterback have to slide to the left, and then they got a sack. Yep. He, didn't, he didn't get the sack, but I was sure to say that's a call sack. Yep. He ran right through Taylor. I mean, he went – I mean, he gave it to him. He gave him the business. 
that was an aggressive physical blitz. That was that was that was on par. That was, that was, <laughs> so yeah, it was a lot. I mean, you know, and the receivers all did well. I mean, so hey, man, you got to be happy, Titans fans, that you won the game. Ultimately, that's the goal. Not how much Henry Tannehill or Westbrook Aquina played, mm-hmm. and Julio didn't. At the end, of the day, it just became noticeable. Like, oh, where, where's who? I, I really didn't notice today. So I got like to the fifteen. I was like, dang, I, I, I saw, I saw McMath. That's what when made I me saw really, McMath jog out there. I, I thought like, something's wrong. Whoa, whoa, Although he played seventeen plays on offense yesterday, which is just unbelievable. McMath, dude's out there just doing his thing. Yeah. <laughs> so hey, you win some, you lose some. But I, I don't. I wouldn't get my. My tell all in the wits uh, about about Julio not out there in the red zone and we win, uh, so yeah, you can't win. You can't win them all, uh, Coach Brable. <laughs> I mean, it's almost like you can't do anything right. I'm sure he was trying to win the game. Just believe that. If you don't believe anything he says, because you're not sure, you're not behind the scenes. Just believe he's doing everything. His job depends on it to win the game. Right. And he's got to answer to everybody in the building on what he did or didn't do to win the game. Bad. Every one of those assistant coaches, you know, every player who's looking him in the eye to be the leader, he's got to look those guys in the eye and know that he did everything he could to win. Well, yeah, the leaders, but I, I don't think the coaches are doing that. No, you, you don't. You don't question your coach or his decision. You would question yourself where you got a job. Yeah, you'd be questioning where, where am I going to be next? Not unless y'all yeah. are really good friends and you behind the <laughs> scenes, you know, one on one. Hey, uh, do you think we should have went for it on fourth down? Yeah. <laughs> Just imagine if you didn't get it. What'd you say? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah your pink slip is right there. <laughs> <laughs> they did though. He was hey man, he was he was aggressive yesterday going forward on fourth down. Yeah. Uh going for two. We'll we'll keep talking about this game. Look, phone lines are open. Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline. You want to jump in, talk about what you saw, what you didn't see, who you saw, who you didn't see. We'd love to hear from you. 615-737-1045. Uh it's also time for our ding dong of the week. Oh, my goodness. I got a humdinger of a ding-dong <laughs> that involves Kentucky Fried Chicken. Oh, and, I, wow. and it's all coming up next. Play to Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Play to Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. I'm going to do our ding-dong of the week in this segment. Ding-dong of the week uh, brought to you by Mark Spain. You can go to MarkSpain.com to get a guaranteed offer on your home today and start packing, as we like to say. Don't be a ding-dong. Use Mark Spain. We'll get to our ding-dongs in a minute, but we do have phone calls on the Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline. So let's take a couple of those. Ryan in Lebanon, Chuck in Clarksville. We will start with Ryan in lovely Lebanon, Tennessee. What's going on? Hey, guys. Love the show. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh, just want to comment on the A.J. Brown situation. Um, was that a – like, was it uh, – did A.J. Brown want to stay out of the game, or was that like a strength and conditioning coach uh, call? Just want to get your guys' take on that, and I figured Blaine would, uh, would hit on this. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you, Ryan. Yeah, Blaine, Ryan asking about A.J. Brown saying, essentially, was this like a strength and conditioning? Was someone on the coaching staff taking him out, or did he take himself out based on what was going on with him? <laughs> well, that's an interesting question because I don't ever recall a player – like taking themselves out. Like you take yourself out and then you have them say, hey, something's wrong with me. You look at it, give them assessment, and they then tell you you're down. So maybe initially he did take himself out, but they had to, you know, assess the injury and then tell him he's out. He can't just like, hey, man, uh, my calf is tight. Uh, I'm, I'm out, man. 
No, nah, that's not that's not how it works, man. <laughs> they get, they get this is, they they do this for a living now. They get, they know they have to be out there. So uh, probably some I, I didn't see when it happened. Uh, I know he ran when they do you know that little speed sweep or however you want to call it with the toss. He ran and you couldn't really. If I was looking for some, I could see it. But if I didn't know that he went out for a hamstring, I, I wouldn't have known anything. So no, I think it was legit. Now it was smart on their part because. You know, hopefully he'll be able to play this week. Because right. if he would have pressed himself and pushed himself out there, it could have, you know, pulled. It's just funny, man, how they stand on the sideline. They act so casual, and it makes you think that they can go back out there. Right. Where in my era, I'd be sitting there so I'd be in tears that I'm not out there helping my team yeah. because I strained a muscle. So it's just a different era of player. So no, nobody's taking themselves out. They get an assessment, and then the, the trainer tells them whether they're up or. Not and then he goes relays the message to the head coach, and they have uh, teams pay a lot of money for medical and trainers and, yeah. <laughs> and strength That's coaches and all those people to to tell them, hey man, this dude can't go, or like, oh yeah, he can go. Now, now that's a good question, though. Yes, it is. That's a real good yeah. question. Mm-hmm. And sometimes a, a trainer, somebody involved, might say he's okay. He can't hurt it any worse. It's a question of pain management. Right. That is, Literally. That, sometimes it's like, It's, it's hey, up man, to him. It's if, up to you. Because this is, he can fight through it. But, you know, they never said that to me because they knew I was going to play. Right. <laughs> but, you would manage the but pain. It, it was certain, you know, maybe with a hamstring because I could have cost our team. Uh, but anything else that was just kind of a, you know, like a broken arm or something. Oh, I can go. Yeah. <laughs> Tape it up. Right. Well, the, the story Blaine tells about standing next to Burton Elrod, the team physician going, hey, why is this knot on my arm? And he's going, uh, because your arm is broken. You're like, no, no, it's okay. It's just I have a big knot. He's like, uh, no, no he saw it first. Oh, he's the blank. What's the knot on your arm? I was like, all right. So I, I said, oh, I didn't even know it was there. <laughs> so he literally, the knot was so big. He's like, hey, man, you got a big knot on your arm. He knew instantly what it was, too. <laughs> well, Look I mean, at, you know, he knew that it was something was broke. team physician. Yeah, he knew it was broke. He, got, like, me, look he good. said, give me, give me your hand. I said, what, why, why would I touch your hand? <laughs> he, was like, he was like, no, I want you to like, shake my hand and then twist your wrist. That's what he said. Okay. And he said, he said, you don't feel that? I said, nope. He said, well, that's abnormal. You should be feeling something like, because I think it's broke. Your form is broke. <laughs> like, what? what the I, I thought he was crazy. I, I walked away. He, he followed me. He's <laughs> like, no, 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 I'm serious. <laughs> I'm serious. I say, hey, man, we're about to go in overtime against the Raiders. It was in Memphis. Well, that was Memphis, Memphis year. Uh, Chuck in Clarksville up next. What's going on, Chuck? Thank you for calling Blaine and Mickey. We appreciate it. Hey, guys. I just want to talk about Tannehill's interceptions yesterday. I think you're spot on. I mean, it looked to me like Hudson was standing right in front of Leonard, and all of a sudden he thought he'd move a couple of yards to the right and get more open, and Tannehill had already committed the throw, so – I don't, I don't put that one on Tanny Hill. And then, of course, Chester Rogers tried to catch the ball in his body, and that popped up in the air and was an interception. So, uh, But just, uh, it just seems like, you know, the only thing i got to knock on the Titans because I love him to death, and, and I'm all with Brable if he wants to sit. I don't, I don't give a bleep who's playing as long as we win. But, you know, it, the guys are just going to have to have better ball management because it's just, it's just going to be – it's going to present a problem if you turn the ball over and then not get any turnovers. Yeah, I agree. And that's something Mike Rabel was very adamant about yesterday. Like, hey, man, we can't give it away and then not take any back. You never win those games. We won today. We were lucky. I'm paraphrasing. But uh, that's, that's what right. I was talking about in pregame. Yep. We were talking about turnover margin. They were negative three going into that game. So they're still in the negative. 
Uh, They've taken know. one away and given away seven yeah, in three games. That, that's a problem. And they're still and, two and, and be one. Two and one, right. Yeah. And so Vrabel will never say this, but he's up now jumping up and down right now doing jumping jacks and smiling the whole time because he lives by those numbers as well as complimentary football. And they're not really complimenting each other <laughs> with getting takeaways uh, based off of the teams they played. So. Yeah, and you're still winning games. He knows that's like a that's a good sign, but he knows you can't continue it. That's why he's perturbed to get some stack up some wins, especially against some really good teams. So you may be able to get away from you know against this Colts in a fifty percent wins or whatever he was seventy percent, and maybe the Jets or Jaguars. But after that, no, you will not win those games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, again, we. We're going to talk about this game the rest of today. We're going to talk about it uh, the rest of this week. Then we'll turn our attention to the New York Jets, who have struggled out of the gate. We'll certainly talk about them. But uh, ultimately, it didn't matter who was on the field at the end of the game and who was injured and who wasn't, whose load got managed and everything else. Ryan Tannehill threw to the guys who were out there. The defense only allowed those rascals 265 total yards. They had uh, 10 points off of turnovers. They got directly off of turnovers. And anybody involved with the football team, Blaine, would say, well, it's still our job on defense to stop them. It doesn't matter if we get they get the ball on the one-yard line, the six or the 40 or whatever it is. still our job to stop them. The turnovers have led to some points the last three weeks. Just not, I mean, just clearing that up mm-hmm. in this team. Well, again, they'd probably still be two and one because nothing was going to help them against the Cardinals. They just flew in and beat the tar out of them. But if they can clean up these turnovers... If the just like the caller said, and they're just not forcing any. They have the one buyered interception. That's it. Yeah. And they're around the quarterback. They're, they're, they're around making the some ball. noise now. The defense looks much improved. Yep, it does. I think they're ranked eleventh in third down. Uh, so that's pretty significant for them. Yeah, they, they look different. They they look different though. The, the defense they looks like they're in unison and everything else. Uh, they're raising havoc. You know, some big hits and tackles and uh, PBUs. Pressure the quarterback getting hits. I think Landry has what the most uh, pressures in the league or somewhere. He's at the top. You know, I'm all big on yeah, he's getting pressure, but at some point that's going to turn into sacks for him. He's already got some. You know, I think what a sack and a half or so. Uh, Olawa Daly played well. I, I think Autry and those guys were making noise as well as Simmons. Uh, so yeah, they 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 look different out there. Yeah, they 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 look different compared to last season. Are you a little nervous? about Fulton ankle getting getting banged up a little bit late because that's when Breon Borders came out. Borders only played like three snaps on defense, I think, made two plays in his three snaps. But Fulton came back in the game, yeah. correct? Yeah. Right, so I'm not worried. Okay. Yeah. I, now, that doesn't mean that he won't be sore this week and may be limited. Yeah. Uh, you know, because sometimes that's the kind of what, what, you know, with him he's a little different with his soft tissue. You know, you go back out there, and next thing you know, now you're way worse. Well, the ankle is going to be sore, but if he gets back to swelling down by the end of the week, I think he'll be fine as long as he stays in tune. Uh, but I think as a as a coach, you feel comfortable with with borders. I, I mean, as a backup, and he can fill in. He's done it before yep. for a game or two, so you're yep. not like out of wits a little bit. You're just like, ooh, maybe we should have just kept him out, and he went back in. But hey, Foden's tough, and he got back out there. So I would assume he's young too. So you would think his recovery time is a lot faster. Uh, you know, when you start getting to 30, then, you know, your recovery time as far as, you know, injury sometimes is not as fast as when, when you were 22, you know, 23, 24. Uh, so, 
Yeah, I, I would feel comfortable. I thought Borders did a good job. Two PBUs are really lucky. I, I was really disturbed. I'm going to ask John Glennon about this later on when we have him on at 220, right? Mm-hmm. Is it about the, the, the pass interference or the, I don't know what they call holding or they're doing it all over the place, not just in our game, uh, you know, the Titans game, but every, man, that's, 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 that's hard to do, man. I'm going to tell you this, I would have a whole bunch of penalties would have cost us if they were going to call some of those calls they call in this last game versus the Titans. And, I mean, as well as <laughs> against the Colts. And these weren't necessarily. Xavier Rhodes went against the Colts. I thought we're like, huh? Yeah. And, and these aren't even necessarily egregious. They're not much further, if even more than five yards down the field. It's just like the just a quick lockup and then let him go, or yeah. one hand on the guy. And well, I had a I had a great trick because you know I, I was fast, but I wasn't fast on the level of these four three guys. So one of my tricks was I would always when they're running in motion, just imagine if you're running, and I would hit their arm to mess up their stride frequency. Mm-hmm. See, you hit the arm, it messes up the stride frequency. Mm-hmm. See, that's how in depth I've. I thought about how I could slow them down. Now you're at my speed. Now our frequency is the same, right? They would call that pass interference, and I, and I don't care if I'm looking at the ball or not. I think they would call that, and I would hit that arm and hit that arm and hit that arm. It would never get all the way up. It would get past his thigh. That's it. You hitting it with a club when you had your club? Oh no, I, I it, didn't, it didn't matter <laughs> if it was the club or not. I was hitting it. Yeah, I was like, hey man, I'm in it because there's a saying, you know, with receivers, if they're even, they're leaving. Even. Because they have another gear and track the ball. And they that's why you always see all of a sudden you're like, dang, what did the dude do? Did he slow down? No, they got another gear to go get it. You know, so, yeah, that's what happens. Let alone jump up and get it and all these acrobatic things that they do. So, <laughs> yeah, that, that that I think that cheating mechanism that I used, I don't think they could get away with it. Maybe one time, but definitely not all the time. <clears throat> um. It's time to do this. We do our ding-dong of the week, usually in the first hour of the Monday show. You can uh, share your ding-dong of the week. It could be sports-related. It could be otherwise-related. Sometimes maybe you've got two ding-dongs or more than that. However many <laughs> ding-dongs you have, you can always share them with us. We eagerly anticipate eagerly. your ding-dong each week. Uh, Lucas is uh, just – Lucas has his are ding-dong you, are ready. Are you ready to go? You ready to go? Yeah, it's a single ding-dong this week. you got no, a single No double ding-dong. ding-dong. Uh, yeah, my ding-dong of the week is Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> what did he do? Oh. This this man. I know the Cardinals are a good football team, and they are three and zero. Cliff Kingsbury attempting a sixty-eight yard field goal before halftime that results in a kick six for the Jaguars to take the lead. Nobody could even come close to Jamal Agnew on that return. A hundred and nine yard return on a sixty-eight yard field goal attempt. So that's, oh, that's how that went down. Cardinals should have blown out the Jaguars on Sunday. Yeah, They're yeah, three that, and new man. That made a lot of highlights. That made his day. That was a hundred and nine yard kickoff return. Uh, kick, kick six. Return, yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> but to attempt a field goal from sixty-eight yeah. yards. Come yeah. on, man. Now, it, right before the half, like it wasn't like a game winner. Like he had to. Okay, I've added the third ding dong. That wasn't even in the in the. Uh, that wasn't even in a dome. That was outside. But throw it up. You got Kyler Murray and De- I think DeAndre Hopkins was active. Yeah, he was on out Sunday. there. I saw him. Throw it up. Like, yeah. Well, my, I have a ding dong and a, and a long field goal related ding dong myself. The Lions have played but their butts off. They played. Oh, hard then you don't game. take my ding dong. Is this your <laughs> okay? Share your ding dong. Then we'll. They should have got a delay a game Two before seconds. they got an opportunity to kick the field goal. And that would have put him out of field goal. He wouldn't have made it. It was really bad. That day screwed him. I mean, it was like two or three seconds. It was like 2008 they, playoffs here against the Ravens. And then they, they snapped the ball egregious. afterwards. Yes. And, and they were at home. 
<laughs> well, in like two years from now, nobody's going to think about that because it was an NFL record. 66-yard field goal, hit the crossbar and it went shouldn't in. Even have been shouldn't a, have happened. Attempted, because I think they would have probably did a Hail Mary then. I mean, I know it was the last play, but I, I, <laughs> they would have had a better shot to make it a uh, – it would have been a – at five more yards, a 70-some-yard – he wouldn't attempt it. He wouldn't even attempt it. It was a 71-yard field goal. Well, I mean, everybody, like you said, everybody's celebrating this guy hit. If you're the Lions, you just think we just got bamboozled out of a loss because these knuckleheads can't look at a clock. It reminded me again of the play of the playoff loss against the Ravens in 08, where the play clock went down. And everybody's like one, two. It it was over two seconds that yeah. the play clock, and then the Ravens won't run a play. So I'm still po'd about that. Um, Here's my non-football-related ding-dong. I found this last week. I've been holding on to my ding-dong. Oh, oh you've been uh, holding on your ding-dong? For a while now. Well, you got to go to the bathroom? So, no. <laughs> this is uh, this happened in New Zealand. Oh, my. A trunk full of Kentucky Fried Chicken <laughs> smuggled into a city Ooh. in Auckland, New Zealand, where restaurants are now closed because of COVID-19. So, police see this car. They did a U-turn. They sped off trying to get away from the police. So the authorities chase the car. They search, and they find a trunk load of Kentucky Fried Chicken. The guys had driven 75 miles from Hamilton to Auckland, New Zealand. They were arrested when police noticed a suspicious vehicle on the outskirts of town. They had, per police search, they had at least three buckets of chicken, (laughs) 10 cups of coleslaw, Fries and four oh, other bags of KFC items, so according to local police. So silly, it says man. it remains unknown if the pair intended to sell the items or are just really hungry. <laughs> There's an entire South Park episode about this. <laughs> Literally a whole episode of South Park with this plot. <laughs> there exists one, or you're saying there will be? No, that there ex- there one that exists. <laughs> like it is a Scarface type episode because Cartman is like selling KFC and gravy because it's illegal. <laughs> and here's here's under New Zealand's anti. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you can't even get it out. <laughs> under, <laughs> under New Zealand's anti-COVID nineteen laws, the pair's trip to KFC could cost them the equivalent of three thousand dollars and possibly six months. In oh my God, what are you in for? Chicken, <laughs> extra crispy. <laughs> Those dudes, they they had a trunk load. Here's my only question. Look, I, I get it. People like to coleslaw at KFC. I like it too. But I, I mean, I'm I'm ducking a couple of the tubs of slaw, and I'm throwing in a couple more buckets of chicken, especially if I'm going to try to sell it because that's a big ticket item. Wouldn't you rather have a like a couple of chicken pieces than, than slaw? <laughs> Seems like their priorities are all messed up. And I'm sorry because I know there's COVID. It's a serious thing. But these two rascals smuggled chicken across the border. They drove 75 miles to get it. I mean, just, I mean, I know we're all dealing with it, how we're dealing with it. But those dudes, they hatched this plan. They may have been under the influence of something. And they're like, hey, man. I know there's a KFC open. It's 75 five miles away, but we're going to go over there, and we're going to get it, and we're going to bring it back. Oh, my gosh. Well, anyway, these two dudes, uh, I don't know. Maybe they'll have some mercy on them. Maybe they'll let them at least eat the chicken. Hopefully, they didn't have to, like, pour it all out on the side of the road. No. That was your only ding-dong? No, I got I got another one. <laughs> 
We were talking about Vince Young a little bit last week, and there was an Ohio State player, Kayvon oh, Pope, yes. who got mad on the sidelines. He started trying to take his uniform off. No, he got mad because he wasn't playing. Because he tried to go in, and they waved him back out, out. Yeah, and he, and he got mad. So he had to be escorted to the locker room. Uh, he tried to enter the field to play. He was waved back by a teammate. He was visibly upset on the sideline. Coaches and teammates attempted to calm him down. Eventually, he went back to the locker room after throwing his gloves into the stands and attempting to take off his uniform. He is no longer on the team. When he got to the locker room, he tweeted, F Ohio State, only he didn't just say F. Mm. And then they said, F you. They said, so long. <laughs> he gets to finish the semester, though. So uh, he's a senior. He gets to finish the semester. He will be afforded all rights and privileges of a football player at Ohio State. He just will not. Uh, play football there any longer heck maybe he can get in the transfer portal and catch you know six games somewhere else oh, at this point uh, all right think, we got to go we'll come back ding dong of the week you want to share one uh jump on in and do it 615-737-1045 yeah, Playing to Mickey 1045, the zone. Mike Vrabel uh, speaking earlier today. We'll get into uh, some of that as we start the next hour. John Glennon will also join us to talk Titans after they put the Colts in an 0 3 hole in division. No matter what happened, biggest thing that happened yesterday, the Colts are 0 3 to start the season. The Titans are 2 1 right now and the leaders of the AFC South. People looked at the Colts as your main competition. And Blaine, I don't care what it looks like or who's got an ankle problem, whatever. If you make them 0-3, you did a heck of a, of a thing on Sunday. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is an exciting time. So that's why it's, uh, I guess, for, for some fans, it just wasn't good enough. But, hey, they made a great decision in starting Carson Wentz. They thought that was the, their best option. And I really think that helped out uh, the pass rushing because he was a sitting duck pretty much all day. Throwing the, I mean, he was throwing the ball in the ground and at people's ankles. He wanted no part. He shouldn't have, he shouldn't have been out there, maybe in the backup role, but. That's how important it was to the Colts to win this game. Yep. They had to play their best. Even your best, I mean, at 75% is better than the backup. See? <laughs> and I know everybody wonders about their backup. They wasn't managing him. They were not. His, they weren't trying to protect him at no, all. No, they said, hey, man, manage uh, your, your load of yourself out, right, out there on two bad feet and play this whole game. I mean, everybody wonders what they got with the backup quarterback. If you wonder what the Colts think about their backup quarterbacks, don't wonder because they don't like either one of them. Man. They play Carson Wentz on feet that didn't work yesterday. Because <laughs> they had, they had uh, bruised ankles. <laughs> so they didn't work correctly. And by the end, that poor guy, yeah. he, there was one play where they just crushed the cylinder again, and he just sort of threw the ball and then just kind of trickled himself out of the pocket. It hurt watching him play yesterday. It hurt, it hurt watching him. That was an unbelievable effort, though. But that, if you wonder where the Colts are with their backups, they brought a guy off the practice squad, and they were like, nah, Carson, just tape them up hard, man. You're okay. Yeah. I wonder how he responds this week. Yeah, because it's got to be sore, sore, sore. 60 minutes of running around on that. Mm. Well, better him than me. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Taylor Wan played yesterday. Mike Grable got asked about him today uh, and essentially said, you know, there were some plays that were good. There were some that I'm sure he'd like to have back. but." He got into what things have been like for him over the last week uh, or so after he was booed by Titans fans. And uh, he brought this up in the postgame yesterday. Here's the sound from Taylor LeWan after the win yesterday. 
I cruised back on the field, and our PA announcer, I know he just, I think his name was Matt, just got the job, first game, right? Announces that I'm back in the game. And these fans go and start booing. Now here's the deal. I don't know what that's all about. Like, I, I, I'm coming back from the ACL 10 months. Like, it's a, a, a difficult process. And yeah, I wasn't playing well at all. That was a really hard game to get over emotionally, mentally. That light went out. Like, that's how it went. The light's just went out. That's exactly, that's a perfect metaphor for all of them. It was a really uh, deal. You guys are going to be able to use any of this on cable. Um, but like, it was, man, I, I really wish I could have, like, articulate like, how difficult that was. You know, it was just hard to hear the fans after, you know, seven, eight years of as much as much as I tried to do for the city boo when I came back out there, that was uh I looking over at Ben and he looked at me and smiled and shook his head and I was like, damn, like, that's crazy how fast it just turned and I'll never forget that. And um, it was a difficult twenty four hours, a difficult thirty six hours, a difficult forty eight hours and uh, hey, after the Titans win. Ding, ding, ding. He just got my other ding, dong. That's what he just got. Now, I thought he was being very honest and contrite, but guess what? The fans don't want to hear it. When you go into the football field, it's almost like you're a robot. You got to know it. All they want is results. They don't care about you emotionally. They don't, they, you know, whatever you do outside of that, all they want you to do is go out there and play ball. And he played ball well, t- you know, this last game. I mean, he was solid. So I would have said, you know what, I deserve to be booed. It was it was horrific, horrible coming off an injury. But guess what? It made me step my game up. It made me get better. It made me push harder than I would have ever tested it at practice. So that's how he should have responded. So I, I gave him a ding dong. As much as he was honest, I mean, you you have to you know take everything with a grain of salt. And yeah, if you you mess up, you're going to get booed. You know, and it probably because the most offensive linemen aren't used to being singled out ever. So. You ask for all that attention, that's what it involves. That your all eyeballs are watching you, especially when you get a big contract and you, you have your own, you know, little busting with the boys. Yeah. So yeah, that that's what happens. So you want to be in the forefront or do you want to be in the backdrop offensive lineman? So that you know that comes with it. So you just say, Hey man, I deserve to be booed. That's what he should have said. Instead of telling us his heartfelt and feelings were heard and all that, guess what? That was all true. Anybody being booed? We weren't. You think McNair said that when they booed him? Because they sure did. Yeah. Yeah. He went back there and started slinging it. The next series, nine was about that action. Yeah, he was all about that action, boss. Yeah. So just you should have been like, hey, that was then. This is now. Hey, I'm back to hopefully uh, playing at the standard that I'm used to. Uh, and the team and the fans are used to, but the, on that day, I did deserve to get booed. Embrace it. That's what, that's what your play was. It stunk. Sorry. Yeah, but I ain't asked you about your feelings, though. Yeah. <laughs> hey, they don't care about your feelings. It's interesting. We were talking about this one day off the air, and at one point, if you remember, like the Titans' offensive lineman never spoke. If you spoke, you'd get fined by their group. They would yeah. fine you with their own group. You would get fined by the other guys. In the offensive line room, if you spoke to the media, yeah, that that was kind of a Bruce thing. He, yeah, he's like, hey, we 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 about action, man. <laughs> we want to have fun. We're gonna be a tight knit group, and you know, with no individuals here because we don't work as as a unit as five. 
that we're we're all all playing poor. And uh, that's kind of his deal. Wasn't there a thing also whatever you wore for the first game, you had to wear that for every game? Do you remember that? So oh, if yeah, you wore short they, sleeves, long oh, sleeves. Yeah, they can wear yeah, they can wear sleeves. <laughs> yeah, they they try to talk about like the whole team. I was like, hey man, if it's cold out there, I'm wearing sleeves. <laughs> well, you told me. I said, How in the world did you guys stay warm? You said we covered ourselves with Vaseline. I'd never heard of that yeah. as a warming thing, but you said, Oh yeah, man. If it's cold enough, Vaseline. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Once you get to running around. But you know, they they they're hitting somebody every single play. So it's a, you know, it's like a cuddly bear just giving a bear hug to another bear. So, <laughs> so sometimes I would go plays, you know, a whole series without touching anybody. <laughs> so I'd be like, boy, it's cold out here, man. So, yeah. We got uh, Mike Vrabel talking about Julio Jones. He got deep into that again. So let's get into what Mike Vrabel said today in his presser about Julio Jones. We'll do that next. And John Glennon coming up in a little over 20 minutes. It's Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone.